welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. I'm Serena Wilson, a training manager at DCS, and I'm your host for this edition. Today I'm interviewing Jackie Schultz, who is the statewide Child Protective Services Director in the Office of Child Safety. Ms. Schultz is director over the Special Investigations Unit, or SIU, as we commonly refer to it at the department. SIU conducts investigations when the abuse or neglect involves children who are in foster care, as well as those who are not in the legal custody of DCS, but they are under the supervision or care of an individual or individuals functioning in an official employment or volunteer capacity with some places, such as like a a detention and youth development center, licensed foster care homes, daycare agencies, even unlicensed daycare facilities, schools, religious organizations, youth groups, and, and others. SIU is a program area at the department that has a unique role, and we are very happy to have Ms. Schultz join us today in order to learn more. Welcome, Ms. Schultz. We are glad you're here at DCS Talks. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about some of your experiences in child welfare and what led you to the role of the director over SIU. I have been the director for the Special Investigations Unit since May of this year. Prior to that, I was the team coordinator over the Special Investigations Unit for the past three years. And then a little bit about my background, I was a team leader in Special Investigations Unit prior to that, and even frontline staff. I started my career almost 18 years ago I was a case manager for juvenile justice for the first year I worked here, and then I moved over to CPS, where I worked for about a year and a half before I came over to SIU. So the majority of my career has been in the Special Investigations Unit, and that's just kind of my heart. I just love this program area, and I think it's just a great program that DCS has with really special features that not other CPS programs get to to specialize in. Agreed, and thank you for sharing that. Thank you for all of your service to the children and families. We were talking before the interview about how unique SIU is. People don't often know a lot about it, so we wanted to interview you and learn more. Can you tell us what are some of the primary responsibilities of the SIU program? The SIU program, they just specialize in cases that involve our custodial children, children in foster care. We also investigate the children who are not in foster care but reside in foster homes. And and we really, the bulk of our cases are anybody in an official employment or volunteer capacity. So we will have all of our daycare cases that are licensed illegal daycares. We would investigate those as well. Mm -hmm. School teachers, youth ministers, preachers, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, the facilities, detention facilities, group home type settings, DCS employees that have abused either children in our custody or their own biological children in their home. So we're Mm -hmm. very specialized and focused on those type of cases 
that if substantiated or if the allegations were found to be true, it would affect their employment or volunteer capacity. I see. So if someone suspects that, let's say, a teacher is abusing a child, then SIU would actually do the investigation. Is that correct? Yes, as long as it happens in the realm of their employment. So if a teacher is abusing their gotcha. own child at home, that would not come to the SIU group, that would go to the regular CPS group. So if it's one of their students and it happens in the realm of their employment, that would come to us. Gotcha, and so that's the big distinction is that for a Child Protective Services case, it's usually a, a caregiver in the home that would be investigated. But with SIU, it's someone in an, an official capacity with their employment or volunteer service. Yes, now the exception to that is our DCS employees we will mm -hmm. investigate the allegations of abuse or neglect when it involves their own children. Or if the alleged perpetrator is their spouse that lives in the home, we take mm -hmm. those cases as well. And that's just really to protect confidentiality and keep the integrity and the conflict of interest away from the other people in the region. That makes a lot of sense. Is there identity um, in our system? Is it protected when yes. they have an investigation? Yes, we restrict those cases so that only us can see it while we're working. And then even after we close it, we can't go back into it without obtaining that restricted access back. So it is very, very confidential um, and not anybody can go in and look. And even the SIU cases in general, a CPS investigator can't go look in our cases. But then on those employee cases, we add that extra level of protection by restricting those to where we can't even get back in them once we close our case. Okay, that is good to know that um, our DCS employees are of course held to the same standards as all citizens however we also realize that their privacy and integrity is honored even if there is a case that is opened on them or their spouse so that's good to know and good to let people know yes and we work with them just like a, a cps worker would do if they need services in their home we provide mm -hmm. the services and we make sure that the service providers don't know them and it's not going to be a conflict for them as well. And we'll send it out a region to provide the services mm -hmm. so that they can get what they need for their families, just like we would any other family that apartment works with. That's awesome. So hopefully we're out there even able to assist and serve our own employees. So I know many foster families might be listening and are curious about special investigations unit. If I were a foster family and a case was opened with my family, what would what should I expect in general to happen? That's a really great question. And I know it's very scary for our foster parents when SIU shows up at their door because there's an allegation of abuse or neglect. And I would just recommend that they just be open and honest and understand the population of youth that we work with, that investigations are not uncommon to be called in. I mean, they have families, they have behavioral issues. There could be a multitude of reasons that a referral is made. And so just don't freak out. Take a, take a yeah. deep breath and cooperate. Talk to us. My staff mm -hmm. are, are great to work with. They're very understanding. And some of the things that the staff are going to do is they're going to you know, interview the children, the alleged child victim, and they're going to be interviewed mm -hmm. privately and separately. The foster parents cannot be a part of that. But the 
SIU staff are going to tell them about their right to a foster parent advocate. That's an advocate that acts in their best interest to make sure that the we as SIU don't violate their foster parent bill of rights. And so the advocate can be present during any portion of the investigation the foster parents are present for. So their interviews, if there was a CFTM, the advocate can be with them for that, anything like that. The advocate just cannot sit in on the child interviews that we do. So it's just the stuff where foster parents are there. Now, if the allegations against one of our DCS kids in their home and they have other children, either adopted or biological, we're going to ask them to speak to those kids as well, because we need a clear picture of what's going on and we need to talk to every child in the home and assess for safety. So we're going to interview all the kids. We're going to talk to them individually. We may talk to school staff or other collateral contact, their foster care worker their foster parent support worker. If they're an agency home, we're going to talk to them as well. Um, and it's really just an open dialogue. We're going to ask questions and get the answers and assess mm -hmm. the situation. And it's really should be a painless process. My staff are very, very easy to work with. And we understand that these things happen. And whether it's true or not, we still just try to get to the bottom of it and make sure everyone is safe and every family has what they need. There's definitely a parallel with Child Protective Services, especially in that you get services for those families and help them get whatever they need to address the reason why a case was open, essentially. Yeah, so SIU is essentially a CPS worker just specialized to deal with these types of cases. So if yeah. they have an adopted child that has a lot of behavioral issues, we can help get the services in place that they may need or adoption preservation. We have a lot of, of kids that are adopted that end up needing some residential, so we can help work with our regional psychologists and things like that to get these kids into some residential for them. So we come in and help get them whatever they need, just like we would do any other family in the community. And again, I think I really like the point you made about the population we serve. Some of our children and youth have some needs that we need to give extra attention to at times. And sometimes that comes through the special investigation unit. Yes, the population we serve have been through a lot of trauma in mm -hmm. their backgrounds. And so yeah. they're going to they're have a lot of behaviors that go along with that trauma. And sometimes foster parents don't know how to deal with those particular behaviors and that's mm -hmm. something we help them with. We may just have to recommend certain trainings for them to take to help deal with the type of child that's placed in their home. Most of the time, it's getting extra help there. And so I'm guessing that a lot of the cases with community members, like a teacher or a coach, for instance, those look different, I would think. They do. They, they look much different because they are in their employment capacity. So in those mm -hmm. types of cases, a lot of times the schools or the daycares have already removed that subject person from the classroom and we're going in and we're talking to the kids and their families mm -hmm. and assessing the situation. And a lot of those types of cases, we may be working with a, another agency. Daycare cases, we work right alongside daycare licensing through the Department of Human okay. Services. So we look okay. at abuse or neglect. And they look at policy violations through their licensure rules. Okay. So they are there to address what we can't. And then the schools, we may have, depending on the allegation, we may be working some of these cases with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So they do look different, but then they would still get interviewed as part of their case so they can tell us their side of the story about what happened. So, yeah, so you have a really wide range of cases that you look into. My guess, do you use the same allegations that child 
Protective Services uses in policy? Yes, we do. We have the same exact allegations as Child Protective mm -hmm. Services. Okay. For your case managers and the people doing direct services, what are some of the tasks that the SIU investigation, what do they do? I, you said interview all the family members, just like CPS. What are some other tasks that a case manager may conduct in an investigation? They have all of their typical case manager duties, which is you know, entering documentation into our system that we have at DCS called TFACS. They do assessments. We have our SIU FAST assessment that we do, which is similar to the one that CPS mm -hmm. does but it is more specialized just based on the population of cases that we have. So we have our own FAST that we do. Okay. Uh, they also staff all of their cases with supervision, so they're not out there making decisions on their own. They're mm -hmm. conducting the administrative reviews with their team leaders and their team coordinator as needed, and I'm brought in on a lot of the more serious cases that, so they're discussed with me. They review home studies. They participate in child and family team meetings. At times, they do have to conduct a removal. If the child is in an unsafe environment, they do have to remove the child, just like Child Protective Services. It, it is less often than Child Protective Services has to do, but there are times that we do have to do that. Now, if they're in foster care, we can mm -hmm. ask the region to remove the children from the foster home or to send them to respite while we're doing our investigation. Okay. So that's some of the differences, but they do the same thing as CPS as far as removals when, when they're warranted. Okay, that is really good to know. What is your classification, your closure? What is it like? In Child Protective Services, they have the investigation track and then they have the FPP track, which is the classifications are a little different. In SIU, all of our cases come in as an investigation. So our classifications, would be allegations substantiated, which is where we're saying that it, it did occur, or mm -hmm. unsubstantiated, where we're saying it either didn't occur, or we didn't have sufficient evidence to say that it occurred, or that it didn't rise to the level of abuse or neglect. Now, when we have a case in a foster home or a facility that we license, we can close our case as unsubstantiated with safety issues. And those particular cases can be policy violations. So it can be a foster home doesn't have their medication stored properly mm. or their firearms are not locked up properly. And what happens when we classify it that way, it triggers our foster home quality team or our provider quality team. And those cases mm. are heard every week and it's a discussion between the regions, SIU, and central office staff on what we want to do with those foster homes or those facilities and whether mm. or not we want to continue to utilize them as a foster home or if they need mm -hmm. more training, things like that. Right. It's an extra level of oversight mm -hmm. and it's corrective action that we can take. A policy violation is serious, but it can be easily corrected oftentimes. But if there's a pattern of policy violation, then it's tracked through that foster home quality meeting that you all conduct. Yes. And then and action may be taken. Yes. And foster home quality team also hears our substantiated cases as well so that we can track that in our system mm -hmm. and, and, you know, close those foster homes. Now, if our cases are substantiated, the alleged perpetrator or if it's the foster parent, whoever it is, they have a right to due process, which is a formal file review and an administrative hearing before they are officially classified on any type of child abuse registry as a perpetrator of abuse. Okay, good to know. There are all of these checks and balances throughout the process to ensure 
safety, permanency, and well-being through the system. And one of the things that is so important to ensure safety is that all of our case managers at DCS, whether they're a family support system or foster care or child protective service, that they assess for safety at every visit. What are some of the ways that all of our case managers can assess for safety during visits with families? The biggest thing I would say is conducting an unannounced visit. In foster care, a lot of their days are scheduled out, and so their home visits are announced. It is highly recommended that at least quarterly, there be an unannounced visit so you can kind of get a, a glimpse of what's really going on in a home, um, but really talking to those kids and doing a global assessment for child safety and ask them those questions in private, like what happens when you get in trouble? What do you have to eat for dinner? And just asking those questions back and forth in an open dialogue to kind of see what happens there when we're not around. And also, it's really important for case managers to walk through the home, make sure that our kids have beds to sleep in, and that the medication is stored per policy, that the firearms are stored per policy, and that chemicals are stored where they can't be obtained by the child. Those policy things that we really need to look at every time we're there to assess for safety to ensure our kiddos don't get a hold of medication and firearms and things like that. We also need to look at swimming pools to make sure that they are meeting our policy standards for regulations and so that our kids can't get harmed in a pool. Mm, that's great advice. And I know that we, we have resources for all of that. We have policy, we have training to assist our case managers so that they know exactly what to look for. And I know that they're introduced to all of that. So ensuring child safety is critical for all of us here at the department. If someone does need to make a report about child abuse or maltreatment at one of the facilities or in a foster home, what should they do? They should contact our child abuse hotline to report that child abuse or neglect. So in the state of Tennessee, we have a centralized intake and it is 1-877-237-0000. And that hotline can take that report. We also take reports by web. We have a web referral system that they can go online and make that report. And even if you suspect it, you don't have to have proof that any suspected child abuse should be reported because everyone in the state of Tennessee is a mandated reporter of child abuse. Yes, thank you for stating that. It's not the same in every state, but in Tennessee, we expect everyone to be a mandated reporter if they believe a child is being maltreated. Thank you so much, Ms. Schultz, for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk about SIU and inform our listeners about the Special Investigations Unit. We're just so glad to have you here at the department and thank you for your service. Thank you, I'm so glad I got to be a part of this. Well, again, thank you so much, Ms. Schultz. Thank you, listeners, and thank you for joining us at this edition of DCS Talks. Please listen again to hear other subject matter experts discuss ways to advocate for children and build resilient communities.